Hey, Excel. Good to see everybody. I'm glad you're watching this right now. Uh, before I jump into the message, I just want to give a quick announcement in case you hadn't heard. This Sunday, September 6th, our church is going to be reopening and having live services for the first time since we've had to close down the building uh, with COVID coming out. And so, uh, although Excel isn't open totally yet and we haven't had in-person services, we do have in-person service available this Sunday. So I want to encourage you, come on out. I'd love to see you, love to try to catch up and, and just at least be able to see each other face to face. So we want to encourage you this Sunday, 10 a.m., September 6th. Uh, we would like for you to register just so we can have an idea of how many people are coming or if you're included in your family. So if your family's coming, they might have already done that. But if you want to come even on your own, just go ahead and go to belmontag.org and you can register right there. And again, it's not necessarily required. If you don't happen to do that, doesn't mean you can't come. But it helps us to kind of have an idea of how many people are coming. So, man, I hope you do that. And if you don't make it this Sunday, try to make it to the next one. And then hopefully soon, once we get the hang of Sundays, we'll be able to look at when we can open up Thursdays uh, to do live Excel again. In the meantime, I'm here for you. And uh, I got a word that God's kind of been stirring in my heart as I was thinking about this. Uh, it's kind of crazy when you consider the fact that uh, summer's pretty much almost over completely. We went June, July, and August uh, through COVID. And I know a lot of you were like, yo, I'm going to go out anyways. But the truth is, it's not the same, right? We, we weren't able to do the same things we normally do. We weren't able to do things together. We weren't able to do things even on our own that we would probably normally do in the summer. A lot of summer plans kind of went up in the air. And, um, you know, it's kind of crazy to think how many months have already gone on and how many are to come. And obviously, there's a lot of ramifications. Um, I'm glad you're social distancing. I hope you're staying healthy and you're being safe. That's important. But one of the drawbacks to being uh, quarantined and being locked inside and not being able to do the things that you normally do is it's caused an increase of uh, mental health issues and anxiety and stress. And I don't know, maybe, maybe you've been battling with that. Maybe... Uh, it's not every day. Maybe it's not chronic, but there's been some times when um, this has caused what already was an issue uh, to be even worse. The isolation, uh, being cut off from strong relationships that were helping you, uh, not even being able to come to church might have had a big effect on you. And so I want to talk to you about this idea of peace in your mind, because I often think that our mind is our greatest battlefield. Our mind is where things can often go haywire and where there are some things that require some additional professional help, uh, you know, whether that's a chemical imbalance or uh, some trauma that needs a little bit more of extensive help. And I'm all about that. You know, don't feel like uh, everything can just get, you know, can just go away by reading a couple chapters in the Bible. Although I know the word of God is strong and powerful. I also know that God has given us professionals and he's especially equipped people to do additional work and to help us. So uh, don't get me wrong with that. But there are a lot of things that I think we we go too far and, and we trust people too much when God has given us a recipe to deal with a lot of the battlefields in our mind. And, and in particular with your generation, because your generation is one of the most creative, intelligent, I mean, you guys can just manage things in ways that no other generation has been able to do. But you've also been categorized as one of the most anxiety-filled generations. And I don't blame you. I mean, just this year alone, right? We have race riots. We have uh, combating politics. We have a global pandemic. 
why wouldn't you be a little anxious? Why wouldn't you have worry on your mind? And, you know, even with social media, I think that adds to it because it's like you can't run away from it. You know, you're sitting there trying to enjoy a TikTok video and then this news pops up or this story pops up or this, you know, disturbing video pops up and you're inundated and you're, and you're crashed on with all these issues. And honestly, it gets to a point where it gives you not just a um, physical headache, but an emotional one, a spiritual one, where you're just thinking, man, this is exhausting. And so I want to talk to you about that because I think the Bible gives us a recipe to help us with that. And if you have your Bibles, I want us to look at Philippians chapter 4. I'm going to read verse 4 through 9, Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 through 9. Listen to what the Bible says. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. And there's a lot to unpack there. And honestly, we could spend a few of these sessions going through that. But I want to try to to quickly just unpack a few of these things. And the first one, if you're taking notes, is when he says, always be full of joy. Or always be full of joy. Rejoice. Now, this can be a hard statement for some of us to, to hear because there's been a lot of times, and I'm sure like me, where you're having an off day and or, or you're going through some anxiety or you're being, you know, you're struggling with depression and somebody goes, hey man, just be happy. And you're like, oh, I didn't think about that. Click, I'm happy now, right? It's not like we can just turn on the happy switch. And so sometimes when we hear that, it actually makes things worse. We get frustrated, we get angry because we're saying like, man, I want to be happy. I don't want to be like this. I don't want to feel this way. And so that can be frustrating, but I need you to understand that there's a difference between the word joy and the word happiness. See, happiness has to do with what happens to you. If good things happen, then you're happy. If bad things happen, then you're unhappy. It has a lot to do with external forces that you have no control over. And so if you don't have control over the circumstances that cause you to be happy or unhappy, then you don't really have control of your happiness. But joy is different. The joy in the Lord is similar in feeling to being happy, but it's not dependent on what happens. It's dependent on the Lord. It's dependent on who God is to you. When you are understanding and you are in a place in your relationship with God and you're strengthened by that, you can experience the joy of the Lord, not the joy of what happens, right? But this joy comes from God. And so when you experience joy, you're experiencing something that comes from your relationship with God. Listen, Psalm 27, verse 4 through 6. The one thing I ask the Lord, the thing I seek most 
is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. For he will conceal me there when troubles come. He will hide me in his sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on a high rock. Then I will hold my head high above my enemies who surround me. At his sanctuary, I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy, singing and praising the Lord with music. Now, this is one of those things where, where he's, the psalmist is understanding joy is experienced in the presence of the Lord. When I'm in the presence of the Lord, I can sing because I'm experiencing joy. I can worship God even when everything around me is falling apart, even when I'm struggling, because in the presence of God, and the Bible tells us that God inhabits the praises of his people. In the presence of God, I am experiencing the joy of the Lord. And when I experience the joy of the Lord, I can sing, I can shout, I can praise, I can experience joy even when bad things are happening. Now, it, you have to kind of consider, though, the fact that the phil chapter or the verse in Philippians says, always be full of the joy of the Lord and rejoice. That re part, when it says rejoice, helps us to understand that there are going to be times where your joy is going to be a little low. Uh, my wife and I, we have this thing since we were dating where we would ask each other where our love tank is. And, and by love tank, I would say, do you feel loved? Do you feel like you're being appreciated? Uh, you know, are you empty or are you full? Where is your love tank? And there'll be some times where, you know, one of us would say, yeah, you know, my love tank's a little low. I feel like I need some time with you or, you know, I like to hang out and, and just have some conversations and fill up the love tank. And so uh, there's times where your joy tank might be low. And there are great indicators of that. You know, when you start to feel anxiety get the better of you, when when those dark thoughts start to, you know, kind of surround and, and become overwhelming and, and continual, those are indicators that your joy tank is low. And you need to get refilled in the presence of God. You need to go into his sanctuary. And again, his sanctuary doesn't mean the physical building. It means his presence. You can be in the sanctuary of the Lord in your bedroom when you're praying, in the shower where nobody else is, you know, in these areas where you just realize, I have to get into the presence of God because my joy tank is getting low and I have to rejoice. I have to refill. And the only way to do that is in the presence of God. Don't feel like you have to fake it till you make it. That's what a lot of times we try to do when we mask happiness, when we try to pretend like, yeah, I'm great. Everything's going good. There is no pretending with God. He knows your thoughts before you do. And so he understands, listen, you're not full of joy right now. You need some time with me. You need to just get alone with me to go away from all the other voices and all the other distractions and just hear my voice and I will fill you with joy again. Now, here's the thing. You can't be full of joy and full of worry at the same time. And that's why it goes on to say uh, that negative stuff will happen, but you don't have to worry. Right. He says, don't worry about anything, but in everything, bring it before the Lord. I, I love what God is saying, because here's the deal. He's admonishing. He's acknowledging negative things are going to happen. I mean, stuff that, that maybe we bring on ourselves and a lot of stuff that have nothing to do with us, right? Like you didn't bring on a global pandemic. You didn't bring on, you know, racism in people's hearts. You didn't bring on political stress. Like a lot of that 
It's just stuff happening around you. It's just what goes on. And and I love that the Bible, it doesn't pretend like stuff doesn't happen. And as a matter of fact, I think it's important to understand that bad stuff is going to happen. Guaranteed. The Bible tells us in this world, you will have trouble. But fear not, I have overcome the world. You know, there's this old saying that says life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react to it. You may not be in control of what happens, but you are definitely in control of what you do with what happens. So Philippians 4, 6 reminded us, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. I love that anything and everything are almost like the same word, right? And in other words, God is saying, listen, if it's enough to worry about, it's enough to pray about. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. In other words, don't pretend like bad things aren't happening, right? You're going to have days where you feel ugly. You're going to have days where you're scared of what's happening in the world. You're going to have days uh, where you're struggling to make the right decision, where you're confused about, you know, what's going on in the world or in your house, in your family. And it's okay to go through that. It's just not okay to stay in that. You have to go through it, right? Going through it doesn't mean you go around it. Yeah, you're going to deal with it, but you're not going to sit in it. You're not going to dwell in it. You're not going to make your home in that area. You have to be willing to go through it and pass it along to God to say, Lord, this is something that I worry about, but I don't want to worry about it. So I'm going to hand it over to you. Matthew chapter six, verse 31 through 32. So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows all your needs. And think about it in this verse, what we eat, what we drink and what we wear. Those are basic life necessities, right? These are things that you need to live and survive. And even in that God's saying, but don't worry about those things because I know what you need and I'm going to take care of your needs. You need to just trust me. You need to put your hope in me. Instead of allowing negative thinking to dominate your mind, your life, we need to then bring it to Jesus. Verse 7 reminded us, then you will experience God's peace, right? Philippians 4, 7. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Listen, God's peace doesn't make sense. Right? There are instances in their situation, I've been in plenty of them, where there's no reason I should have peace. Where anybody can reasonably understand, yeah, I'd, I'd totally get why your life would be falling apart. And yet, the peace of God is there. And I love those moments where I feel like, man, I should be upset or I should be sad, but I'm not. I'm at peace with this. Because it's not a peace of me, it's the peace of God. You can't describe that kind of peace. You can only experience it, but it will guard your hardest battlefields that we face, which are your heart and mind, right? Your emotions and your thought life. Well, if the peace of God guards that, then when I'm not being guarded, that means I don't have God's peace. I need to get back into his presence. And as great as having God's peace is, too many are satisfied with just that. In other words, with just not feeling bad or, or, or with just not feeling anxiety. When God has more to give us in regard to peace. If you're taking notes, the third thing you might want to write down is I love what Philippians says to fix our thoughts. Fix our thoughts. I love the word fix here because fix means to make 
something whole or able to work properly again. Meaning it's not doing what it's supposed to be doing. Your thought life isn't working the way it should be working. To repair something, to deal with or correct a problem, to attach something in such a way that it will not move, to connect or join things physically. It's not enough to pray negative thoughts away. We need to ask the Lord to help us to not engage in those thoughts. To to stop inviting them and to start thinking differently. Romans chapter 12 verse 2. This is one of my favorite verses. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Well, how can God change you into a new person? By switching the way you think. You know, I I love when people would often say, ah, you know, all you churches, you're just trying to brainwash people. And I'm like, yeah, because our minds are filthy and they're dirty and they're consumed with negative thoughts. Why do you think suicide rates are at an all time high? One of the greatest killers in the world, because our thought life is so captured us that we don't want to have life at all. Verse two, let me finish that verse. It says by changing the way you think, then you will learn and know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Sometimes we have to unlearn our thought life in order to gain our new thought life, right? So what are things we should be thinking about? Because if you look at Philippians, it talks about fix your thoughts. Don't let it drift back into a negative. Instead, fix it on this. Uh, the word fix doesn't just mean repair. It also means to attach to a certain place. And so if 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 I'm facing to my left and that's where negative thoughts are, to fix it means fix it to the right where the other thinking is. Like, I can't keep thinking that way. Philippians verse 8 says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Listen, there are times where you got to switch your thinking. You got to stop entertaining negative thoughts. And sometimes that might mean getting off of social media for a little while. Sometimes that may mean checking the kind of music that you're listening to. And again, music has a a very strong effect on us. And so, you know, when I was a, a kid, I remember I listened to a lot of really heavy kind of gangster rap and I was always angry. And so to try to combat that, I thought, well, I'm going to listen to R&B, you know, kind of slow jam music because I felt like in my mind, that's the opposite of anger. Right. And so instead of feeling angry, I felt like I I just was always in love and I just needed to be in love. Why? Because that's what I was entertaining. That's what was being pumped into me. And that's what was affecting my mind. And so listen, some of you, you might need to take some evaluations and Look, take inventory. What are you listening to? What are you watching? What are you reading? What are you allowing to meditate and dwell on your mind? And do some of those things need to be adjusted? Do you need to start looking at, it's not enough to not look at bad things. You need to start looking toward good things, things that are true, like the word of God, things that are honorable, things that are right, that are pure, that are lovely, that are admirable. Like there are times, you know, lately I got to put social media away and go hug my daughter. Like she is pure. She's honorable. Like, dude, I just got to remember that there are good things instead of looking at all these bad things. It takes some practice, but if you can learn to shift your mindset, if you can learn to not allow yourself to dwell on negative things. And listen, if, if I can say this for some of us, that's even negative people. 
And I might talk about this in a couple of weeks. There's a, a word that I feel like God's been mending on my heart. But for some of you, the pandemic's been great because it's separated you from some really negative people. People that are constantly complaining, people that are constantly criticizing, people that are just never full of joy. They're always critical. They're always, you know, negative. They're constantly being downers. Listen, there are some people that you just got to distance yourself from, that you just got to tell them, listen, I just don't want you bringing that kind of thought life to me. It's just, it's just too much. It's exhausting. I need to fix my eyes on things that are pure. I want to surround myself with positive people that are trying to go after the Lord, that are speaking things that are truthful and honest and, you know, encourage my spirit, not bring me down. I want to close with one more verse, the very next verse that's after Philippians 4.8, because I believe it gives us a huge clue into how a healthy thought life should be. Philippians 4.9, keep putting into practice all you learn and receive from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. Couple parts with this. He says, keep practicing. In other words, this isn't a one-time thing, right? It's not like you're going to pray about it one time. You're going to read one chapter in the Bible and then you'll never have any anxiety. You'll never have any stress. Like this is a discipline that comes through practice. Right? Those of you who like sports, you know, the first time I'm sure you shot a basketball, uh, I bet you it wasn't all that great. It's repetitive nature. It's the practice of doing something over and over and over again. This is why we keep telling you, read your Bible, spend time in prayer, worship God on your own. Like do these fundamental aspects over and over again so that you can put into practice the things you are learning. So there is an aspect of this that comes through discipline and practice in order to shift your mind. And so for me, there are a lot of negative thoughts that I struggle with as a teenager that I don't struggle with now, not because I grew up, but because I grew my mind. Some of us think that, well, when I get older, I won't think that way. There are plenty of people my age and older that still struggle with what they struggled as teenagers because they never transformed their mind. They just thought, well, one day it'll all change. And reality is it won't. So there is that part of practicing these disciplines that God is teaching us. But I love what he says is when you can do that, when you start to get better at that, then the God of peace will be with you. Now, this is the second time in this portion of Philippians that we're reading where peace is mentioned. The first time was after we were instructed to bring our worries before the Lord, right? That verse ends with saying, then the peace of God will be with you. But in verse 9, it says that God's peace will be with you. In other words, when we bring our negative thoughts to God, he replaces them with his peace. But when we line up our hearts and thoughts with the Lord, we don't just get peace. We get God himself, right? Some of you are traveling miles a week, figuratively speaking, for water when God is trying to build a well right where you're at. Some of us think, well, you know, spiritually, I'll get better once Excel opens up or once church opens up. And you think going to a building is somehow going to bring the peace of God that you can already have if you let God dig a well right where you're at in your own life. Yes, when we bring these things to God, he will give us peace. But when we bring ourselves to God, we receive the God of peace. Major difference major difference. I would rather have the source than the byproduct. I want to go right to God. I want to have that relationship with God. 
When God is trying to dig a well in my life, I want to be able to pull my bucket in and bring out everything that God has for me. He's trying to give you the source, not just the product. Here's what I'm trying to explain to you as, as I get ready to, to wrap this up. Hear me when I say this, Excel. I love and I can't wait for us to reopen the building. I can't wait to have live worship with you and to see your face and to preach to actual people in front of me. I'm excited about that. But God is the God who can meet me right where I am and can meet you right where you're at. Listen, some of you, you, you might be on different spectrums of this. There, there might be some listening right now that even tonight you are planning some stuff that uh, you're going to really regret. Or even planning some stuff that you may not be around to regret. And I need you to know that that doesn't have to be the answer. That God's peace can be with you if you're willing to trust him and go to him. And there are some of you that maybe it's not that drastic. Maybe you're just every now and then having a bad day. But I need you to understand that that even then doesn't have to be that way. That God is able to meet you where you're at and is able to bring you to where you need to be. And so here's my question for you as I get ready to pray. Where's your joy tank? Where are you when it comes to experiencing the joy of the Lord? To fixing your thoughts? To making sure that you're full rather than running on fumes? Do you need time alone with God? Do you need to experience His presence? And I want to encourage you after I'm done praying to not wait on that. To take some time, get alone, whether it's tonight, you know, before you go to bed or, you know, when you take a shower in the evening or in the morning, you know, or even if you got to walk around your block outside, whatever you got to do, take some time on your own to get into God's presence, to just talk to him in prayer, to maybe open up your Bible and seek wisdom, to take some time and, and allow your heart to respond to God's heart, to allow him to fill your joy tank so that you can rejoice in the presence of God and not sit there on what's negative, what's wrong, and what's impure. Let me pray as we close out. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for my friends. God, I thank you that even though negative things happen, that we live in a world where there is definitely going to be trouble, we can still experience the peace of God in every step of it. So God, I just pray even now, God, for my listeners, for whoever's here right now, Lord, if they're experiencing negative thinking, if they're going through any form of anxiety or depression, if their joy is low, if they're just not where they need to be, Father God, I pray that in Jesus' name, you would fill them with the joy of the Lord right now, God. That they would experience a rejoicing in their life, Lord. That they would fix their thoughts and no longer dwell on what's bad and what's going on in this world. But that they would fix their eyes on you. That they would be reminded that you are still in control. That you are still able to do what no other person can do. Father, I pray, cleanse our minds. Purify our hearts. Allow us to experience the peace that surpasses all understanding. And to be filled with the joy of the Lord so that we can be a, a source of joy for others and that they can see our peace and know that there is a God who can offer it to them as well. We thank you for all that. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Excel. I love you. We'll see you soon.